Have you ever wondered what type of IT infrastructure is needed for a school? Like a school, like a school district. Like what do schools need? Do they need switches, routers? What's that like? Well, today we're gonna answer those questions. guys welcome back to network chuck i kind of have a different video today or a different type of video i'm interviewing somebody his name is dallas Splon, and he's this guy's amazing uh, but he's an infrastructure administrator for a school district and we talk and i'm going to ask him like what it's like to be that guy and he deals with everything from uh, big campus core switches to security to uh, nexus switches in a data center uh, and voice and collaboration he, he touches it all so it's, it's a really cool story about how he got started and what it's like to work in this really crazy role it is a longer interview let me know what you think about this type of video if you want to see more of this less of this or just cut it out let me know uh, and i'll put kind of a, a, a table of contents to skip around to what you want to see in the description anyways, I thought you guys would benefit from hearing from a real engineer out in the field who works with this stuff every single day and really a cool area of IT, like a cool sector, like school districts, such a cool thing. And I was, I was, I had no idea. So it was really fun for me to hear about it. So thanks again, Dallas. And if you guys don't know who Dallas is, he's been a part of our community for a while. And he actually gave me a ton of IT equipment, a bunch of phones and stuff like actually that phone back there. He gave that to me for my course. So uh, thanks, Dallas, for that. This is a really cool guy. So let's get into it. So Dallas, which, by the way, coolest name ever, Dallas Splon. What are you? Uh, well, my, my title is infrastructure administrator, uh, kind of. Uh, I, I kind of have to be a jack of all trades. I don't have to necessarily specialize in certain areas, uh, you know, with like security. Well, you know, we have a security administrator. We have a, a VoIP administrator. So I've kind of moved away from the VoIP specialty and I've kind of had to be the umbrella guy of all that. Which, uh, yeah, I, I've been there. Like, and you, you and I, we share the same passion. We both love voice. In fact, I mean, you, I, I need to shout out to you again, but you sent me a ton of collaboration stuff when I was creating my CIPTV1 course, which is part of the CCP collaboration. So I still have that stuff. I use it all the time. Thank you so much for sending me that stuff. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. So anyway, um, so, so you, you started out with just voice, right? So I, I guess we should start out from the beginning. What... I mean, so we already know why you're cool. You're an infrastructure admin, you're working for a school district, and that's a whole, like, people don't know about that. Like, I have no idea what it's like to work for a school district, what, what's involved there. So we'll get to that. But let's let's scratch the surface of how you got started and your, your path to where you got to now, which is awesomeness. So let's, let's oh, trace okay. that back. Man, so it's actually kind of a funny but long story. I was actually, um, this, would, this kind of shows my age, but uh, it was like the year 2000, I think I was 19 years old. I was working in a supermarket and I was working uh, in the meat market and they were real <laughs> big sticklers on not having any facial hair. Oh yeah. And, that's, uh, that's a nothing where I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept showing up, I kept showing up to showing up to work with a little bit of stubble on my face and and they, and they would say, Hey, he had lunch. You need to go home and shave that stuff off. And I said, okay, first couple of times I thought, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go home and do it. Well, then eventually I, I, my dad gave me a uh, A-plus for dummies book uh, one time. Is he and, an IT? Uh, uh, he is. He used to be a school teacher here, and he uh, retired a couple of years ago, and he works for a Trinity Fellowship Church here in Amarillo, and he works in the technology department there. Oh, that's and so he's, cool. 
he's the whole reason why I got into IT. I've got a lot of respect for my dad, love him to death, and and uh, he's just the cool, one of the coolest guys I know. Uh, and that's, and that's, obviously, I mean, that's my story too. If someone's seen my videos, I talk about my dad. I mean, that's that's how I got started. So yeah, it's it's great to have a uh, someone who can kind of guide the guide your way, light your path a little bit. Oh yeah, for for my 11th birthday, he he bought me uh, computer parts and told me if I wanted a computer for my birthday, I'd have to build it, and he would he would teach me how to build it. And that's, that's really fantastic. what got that's what got me started. Um, but the, uh, the grocery store was, they said, uh, you need to go home and shave. And, and, uh, like I said, I was reading that A plus for dummies book and I got about halfway through it, thought I knew everything. And, uh, I thought, man, the next time these guys send me home, I'm just not going to come back. So the, the, the assistant manager said, Hey, you need to go home and shave your face at lunch or actually go home right now and shave. And I said, uh, tell you what, if you send me home to shave, I'm not going to come back. And he said, all right. <laughs> try me out so so i left and then as soon as i left i thought oh no i need a job now i was yeah, kind of dumb didn't see that part <laughs> yeah I didn't, I didn't think through that i was 19 years old so i went to uh emerald college here in amarillo and they uh they had a a a, a book i don't know if they still have it but they have this book sort of like classifieds but it was just for emerald college students and i said well i'm just gonna pray to god that there's a job here for a computer guy flipped to the computer section and there was one job for a computer uh, related field and it was for a, a flash developer for flash a company developer. Huh. yeah uh, they just they, their website was built in flash and they needed someone to uh, <laughs> come in and make changes it was already built they just needed someone to maintain it and I thought well I don't know anything about flash but I'll go buy a book went to Barnes and Noble read about 10 pages of it. And I thought, man, this is, this stuff's for the birds. I hate this stuff. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm just going to go to the interview anyway and see what happens. And I went to the interview and the guy literally said, I don't really need a web developer. It was first five or 10 minutes of the conversation. He goes, I need someone that can build computers. And I thought, well, there wow. you go. And that's, that's how I got, that's, that's how I got my start. That's weird. So like, why, why do you think it, the job description was so flash heavy? Did you ask him that? Um, I think, um, what they were trying, they, they didn't want to hire someone to do computer stuff. Uh, they, they wanted to hire a web developer. They were trying to get into the whole, we're going to start making web pages, uh, deal where they, you know, they build web pages for, for customers. And then oh, okay. he, he kind of was doing what he wasn't supposed to do, I guess. And, and uh, <laughs> decided he wanted to hire a computer tech first. He, he had a different idea than what the owners did. Oh, he, okay. he, he wanted to get into the back then it was, popular to build computers and resell them and compete with Dell and Compaq and all that stuff. Interesting. That okay. Didn't work out too well, but you know, I got a couple of years of experience out of that. And then I went to work for a, a credit union and then I went to work for a church, the same church my dad works at. What were you and doing at the credit union? Same stuff. It was just, you know, data, data center types. Not, no, I shouldn't say data center. It was more like data entry type stuff. Um, and then they would do month end processing. It was really, really, entry-level IT stuff. Okay. Troubleshooting, gotcha. troubleshooting computers and why they won't print and uh, troubleshooting, you know, why people can't get on the internet and, you know, just basic, <laughs> basic low-level IT stuff, the yeah. entry-level IT stuff. Um, and then from there, I went to work at the church. Uh, they, they needed a part-time IT person and I had a full-time job and I had a baby on the way and I thought, well, I'm just going to put my, put my faith in the Lord that he's going to provide for me. So I took it and Whoa, that is crazy. So, so okay, I that's insane on two accounts because I know that working for a church isn't the most lucrative thing to do, and then you're part time. Mm -hmm. So that was that was definitely a leap of faith. 
So no so health insurance. So what was how big was the church? Uh, it's one of the mega churches here. It's you know it's seven eight thousand people. Oh well, that's attendance. something. Yeah, because I mean, the church I go to, <laughs> there's there's no need for an IT guy. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yep. That this is a we have we have two mega churches here. Well, I say two non-denominational mega churches. I guess you, mm. what you say. Uh, which kind of funny when people talk about Amarillo, they don't realize where Amarillo is, and they always think it's small town, which really it is. Yeah, so so for those of you who don't know where Amarillo is, it's in Texas. It's in the the Panhandle. If you go north, it's in that little weird thing there. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly didn't know you guys had multiple mega churches. And so, what's it like? What's it like doing IT for a church? Uh, it's 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 uh, you know it's like you said, it's not the most lucrative. Um, they they uh, they they try to get. Um, how can I say this stuff? You mean um, <laughs> they want a lot of they want they want a lot of skill set and um, they don't have the funds to pay for it. And yeah, and, well, and that's that's not unique to you know churches. I mean, I, I worked for so many small companies where they want everything in one guy, and and it's amazing. Like you look at those job descriptions, and it's like four pages long, and you're like, this is 15 people right here. <laughs> or what you want that one guy? That's insane. It is, it's good. It was good working for a church. I really liked it. You know, it was, it was a good. It was a good uh, experience, both spiritually and it was a good experience. I've with, always uh, wanted to do that, but it's just doing the the money that is prevented it for me. It's hard. It's hard. There's a lot of turnover in churches, and uh, particularly like pastors and stuff. But um, you know, it's still it's it was a good experience. Uh, but like I said, it was only a part time, so I didn't have health insurance, or at least my wife and I didn't. And by that time we had had our first child and they were, we were on government healthcare for a while. And then, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of funny. It was a godsend really. Um, the, the, the boss that I worked for at the church, he was the head of accounting and he was a board member at a different credit union here in town. And, uh, he, I, I would ask him, you know, every so often, Hey, can you guys put me on full time so I can get insurance? I mean, I'd ask him, ask him, ask him, no, you know, we don't have the funds for it. Okay. Well, mm. I, I just kept, Kept working there and just thought, okay, <clears throat> just gonna keep giving this a shot. And then uh, he he told me one day he said, hey, the uh, the the credit union that I'm a, a board member at, the the uh, IT guy here is fixing to retire. He's just a consultant, so I could probably get you on part time if you're interested. Go over and talk to the, the president of the credit union. And so I did, and took about two or three months, but they, they called me and said, okay, well, we can, we can have you work part-time and we're willing to work at the church, let you work at the church from eight to noon or whatever, and come work for us from, you know, two to five or two to seven, two to six, whatever it was. And so I did that, um, and worked there for a while. And at the same time, my wife was, my wife's a school teacher here. And so she was not able to, to, I guess she could work, but she could only work at night. But really, we just thought, hey, let's just let's just keep you home with the kids and let you focus on school. So I got a third job working Ooh. from <laughs> working from seven o'clock at night till midnight at a uh, locally owned uh, Internet provider. It was called Amy Techtel. So I wow. had three jobs for about three years. And then finally, one day, uh, Access Credit Union, the, the credit union I worked for, they uh, they offered me a full time job. Uh, it was just a network specialist i think was what it was called or it specialist uh and then from there it kind of turned into uh just that's where i found cbt nuggets when i worked at when i worked there at, at access that's when i got my ccna well hold on i, I don't want to get too far ahead because I, I i have a couple questions about the the church experience um 
because I, I always tell people like you know, one of the biggest problems people have when they get into IT or try to get into IT is they can't get experience. Um, when you worked at the church, did you have like interns? Would you have people who were just not, not paid and they would get on and, and help you out? Yeah, we did. We did have we did have interns at churches. Um, that's actually a good idea is to go to your local church or go to your local uh, faith based organization or any type of organization that, that works off of like you know, those types of funds. And ask them for for if they need any volunteer IT help, um, and that's that that'll get your foot in the door, and yeah, you know, it'll it'll get it'll get people's notice. And a lot of times, those people that are working at those community centers like that or churches, they're connected with other people in the community. And you mm-hmm. know, if you're if you're good and you you know you come in with a positive attitude and you don't come in with a feeling sorry for yourself or you read a CCNA book now you think you need to make. 50 grand walking out the door, uh, you know, you kind of get that, you, you kind of get that, you know, um, off, off your mind and just, you know, do it. I always tell, you know, I always tell my kids and I always tell people coming into the field, I always say, you know, don't, don't do this for the money. And that's not just it. Don't, don't do anything just for the money. Money's important, but if you're doing everything solely for the money, you'll never be happy. And uh, cause money, money won't buy you happiness. I know that's a, that's a cop out term, but <laughs> You got to do it because you love it. And, you know, Jeremy Char always said, and that's, that's exactly where I got that from was when he said, find something and fall in love with it. Doesn't matter what it is, just fall mm-hmm. in love with it. And that's where I came into route switch was I was working at the credit union uh-huh. and, uh, I wasn't doing a lot of route switch stuff there, but, uh, I was doing enough to get my, get my feet wet, so to speak. And, uh, just kept reading books, went to Safari online and, subscribe i've subscribed to that thing for for years and that's where yeah, i get all I, my I books just found it a couple of years back i had no idea that was a thing yeah it's awesome it's uh i i wouldn't do it any other way i would i wouldn't i wouldn't buy another book unless i just wanted to have something you know, physical it, it it's been a hard transition for me well i'll say it has been it was a hard transition for me to go all electronic uh paper studying stuff and you know it, it's hard not to have a book in front of you it you is know? yeah but now when I read a book now, man, it's hard for me to like, if it's a paper book, I can't, it's hard for me to read it. I'm so used to the electronic format now because you can make notes, you can highlight, and you yeah, can yeah. reference stuff way quicker. So, and then actually from, so, so from access, I, uh, I, that's where I'm at today was region 16. Um, they, uh, it's kind of funny when my friends actually, while I was working at the credit union, he was working at suddenly and he's kind of mm-hmm. tired of the politics and stuff there that whatever, whatever was going on there. And uh, I, I always used to get emails when jobs would come up. I don't know if it was Indeed.com or something like that that I subscribed to that talked about job postings and stuff in my area. But I think I remember I got an email one day and I was talking to him on chat one day and he was talking about how he was frustrated with his job. And I said, hey, it looks like this Region 16 is hiring for a, for a unified communication specialist. Why don't you go try it? And he'd say, oh, you know, I'm just a route switch guy. I don't know anything about, about VoIP stuff. It's like, never know, man. Just go try it and see what happens. And then he went to work there and kind of got them, you know, to where they went from two school districts to about 10 school districts. And then he decided to go back to Suddenlink. And he called me the day he uh, was fixing to leave. And he said, uh, hey, they're about to have a job opening up here at Region. It's it's my old job. So if you're interested, I'll I'll put in a good word for you. And wow. so uh, I hemmed and hawed on it for a while. I thought, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to. I'm so comfortable. I don't know if I want to do this. And it, it was, I was real complacent, but I was kind of happy, but I wasn't happy with, uh, I, I thought there was room for growth. Oh, and so, I wasn't, so the company you're at, there, you kind of hit the ceiling there? 
I felt like I hit the ceiling. Yep. Mm. And and I felt like I hit I'd had to I had hit the ceiling four years into it. But man, this place is I'm wanting to grow a lot faster than what they're wanting to grow their business, which is anything it's them. It's just that's that's the pace that they wanted to go and I wanted to go 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 here and I was I was here and uh I just thought, okay, well I'm just gonna do it again. Just go try and see what happens. I went and interviewed and then uh they they actually called me um probably about two or two or three days later and asked if i'd be interested in the position and uh, that's that's where i'm at today started out as a voip specialist the unified community you have any experience in voice before you started there i did i did a little um at the credit union we had uh we started out with just an old pbx style system and then i talked them into going with call manager express through ama Techtel, which was the company i was also working for at the time <laughs> and uh they went with Cisco, and then a couple of years later, they needed to go to more of a call center format. They they built some kind of a, a call center, call answering service platform at the credit union. And they they priced out Cisco and Shortel, and they didn't like the Cisco call manager platform at the time, so they went with the Shortel system. Uh. And, <laughs> so, as uh, so Shortel was all Windows based and used to crash all the time, and mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I don't want to speak bad about another company because you know, <laughs> I think they got bought out actually by another company. I think they got bought out by Mitel or something. Shortel yeah. did. Mm-hmm. I did. think so. Uh, yeah, Mitel's getting up there. Oh, didn't did someone buy Mitel recently? Uh, didn't they, they just merged with Avaya? Didn't they? Did they? I think so. Wow. Um. So that's where I'm at today. Oh, but I, I went to Access with about two years, maybe three years worth of Call Manager Express experience and of course you know going from call manager express to call manager is night and day difference it's it's uh the setup is way different well the yeah because I mean, like it was funny because i had the opposite experience i went straight to call manager and i had no idea how to work call manager express oh <laughs> it's it's all router based and of course you know the it's got the web gui but back then it was all router based there wasn't a gui that the only part they had a gui front end was the the unity express mm. there wasn't there wasn't a GUI interface for the Call Manager Express at the time. Yes. Yeah, so, so for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, you, for, for Cisco, they have a phone system. And uh, the big phone system called CUCM, or Cisco Unified Communications Manager, is run off VMware. It's run off big servers. But then they have Call Manager Express, which actually runs off a Cisco router. It's just uh, you got to have enough uh, horsepower in it, and it can run a, f- a small phone system. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's actually really fun. You should try it out. Um, trying to think what else. When I when I started, I was the opposite. I I, I knew nothing about call manager. I'd, I'd heard about it, and I'd always wanted to mess with it and play with it. And uh, I think I bought a uh, book. I think I bought Jeremy Chara's C Voice book. I think oh, back man. in the day. And uh, then I was you know call, of course I subscribed to CBT Nuggets. So basically, CBT Nuggets got me through my first two years of working at region 16 just doing the voice stuff that was me too i mean jeremy chara was my wings the wind the wind beneath my wings when i first started at my first voice job i I had no idea what i was doing and he just he just inspired the heck out of me oh my gosh i'm like well actually what i'm doing is pretty cool (laughs) it was fun and to see the passion that he had in call manager i thought okay man this guy's got a lot of passion in what he's doing with this stuff i think i can have that same passion too and i just I got to where I loved VoIP stuff. And it's kind of funny when I started at Region, um, a lot of people didn't like the VoIP stuff. They were mm. they were a little gun shy about it. They uh, 
they they uh weren't real sure how it was gonna how it was gonna do um and i say they didn't like it it wasn't necessarily i guess that i can't speak for them maybe they did like it i don't know but i seemed like that was the only one that had the passion for it well i can't tell you how many people i meet that they're out and switch and they just they don't like voice at all really it's it's amazing like it's i think in the past yeah two companies i've worked at most of the admins there don't want to touch voice at all it's like if their voice guy leaves they can't wait to get another one on there because they don't want to touch it it's hilarious I don't understand why there's, there's nothing that I can see that I hate about it. It's just, it's, it's challenging. I think mm-hmm. the thing that, that I struggle with, with VoIP is I understand the call manager platform, I, I think pretty well, but when it gets into actually looking at SIP headers and look going in and, and doing, pulling the trace logs and actually, okay, well, I've got, I've got someone that called and said that they were trying to talk to a remote end person and, uh, the uh the call just dropped oh did you break up what was that on purpose you just you said the call just dropped and then you dropped off <laughs> i think it was <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent yeah well the, uh you know someone someone was calling me and saying hey, i was talking to somebody and the phone just it, it just it just died well, okay so you had to say well did did, did your phone reboot and said it was registering or you were sitting there talking and all of a sudden you just heard dead air or what, what, what tell me, tell me exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So they'd say, well, I was just talking and I figured out I was talking to myself. So I hung the phone up and it didn't say registering or anything. So then you got to go and start pulling call traces and figure out, was it, were you talking to somebody on a cell phone and the call just ended? I mean, being able to look at those trace logs is pretty key. I mean, cause it, you know, it'll, it'll tell you which end hung up the call and that's, that. Being able to notify and look at stuff like that is, uh, to me, that's really important in VoIP because it is frustrating when you're dealing with people that uh, get frustrated with technology easily. And, you know, it, we, we actually had this conversation at work the other day where uh, sometimes people like to try to pretend, like for some reason, um, that uh, VoIP, not necessarily that's going away, but VoIP's not as important as what it used to be. In, to us, you know, for school districts, that's absolutely important. That's like just as important as having fire extinguishers, you know, because if a kid's choking on something in the cafeteria and they need to call 911, if you're, you know, uh, feeling so nonchalant about phone systems and something were to happen to that kid and the phone system doesn't work and the network doesn't work to provide the service, I mean, phones are important. And I think it's important to remember that. Phones aren't going away, and I don't think the VoIP stuff's going away. It's good to hear so. you say that, but then at the same time, I mean, I bet every one of those kids at the school has a phone. They, they probably, they they probably do, but you know, there again, you're relying on a cell service and something True. that you can't you can't control the quality of service and that that type of stuff. It's, you know. Yeah, I forget there's like regulations. I mean, you, you have almost have to have something like that in the school. Um, so let, let's break into that. So what is it like? working in IT for a school district? I mean, because you're the infrastructure administrator for a company that pretty much does everything for a, a large amount of schools. Right. What, are, what, what kind of infrastructure does a school have from the data center to the phone systems to the, to the edge routers and the ISPs? Like, what do we what do we see there? A lot of it's, a lot of it's just like businesses. Um, I will tell you that the biggest, you know, I came from a business background. So, you know, I, I can't speak for all school districts, but um, it almost kind of seemed... So I came from a banking background, really. I was like, I spent eight years in the banking industry. 
And it's like eight to five, Monday through Friday, pedal to the metal. There's no downtime. It's just constantly people are doing stuff. And it's not that people at school districts aren't doing stuff, but it's just more mission critical. Like when you, when you're down for like 10 minutes that they can put a dollar amount on that, right? Exactly. Like it's so stressful. Like I work for two mortgage companies and yeah, banking's huge. It's, oh my gosh. And you know, um, from eight to about four o'clock, kids are in classrooms learning. So internet's important. But there's also a chalkboard. There's also a race board. <laughs> books. There's also, there's also books. There's also, uh, you can break out the TV and bust out a DVD and make them watch a video. And so it's, I'm not saying it's not as important, but it's, it's almost like four o'clock people go home and at a bank, four o'clock people are still working, they're working on closing a loan and they're working on mm-hmm. closing checking accounts and all that stuff. Uh, school after four o'clock, the only people that are there, I'm not saying teachers aren't there, but business office people are there paying paying the uh, payable stuff and it people are there doing backups and stuff like that. But to answer your question about what type of architecture they have, a lot of them are, you know, um, just access layer switches. That's a big, big deal. Um, what are you running in most schools? Are you like running 2960 X's or some older stuff? Uh, 2960 X's. Yep. Um, layer two and layer three. We hmm. typically provide layer three, uh, at the at the at the edge device, um, a lot of them do firewalls. Um, we're actually trying to start a service where we're going to try to provide. Right now, the firewall sits at the school, and we're mm-hmm. trying to provide a service where we bring the firewall into the data center. Ah, uh, okay. So, so, so you're, you're going to backhaul the traffic to the data center. Yes, mm-hmm. as far as firewall traffic. So it's going to go. You know, right now it goes it goes from the data center through a layer two MPLS circuit through our through our service provider. And to the school, it's usually an Ethernet handoff. Sometimes it's a fiber handoff. And it goes into a like a Metro Ethernet switch. And then from there, it'll go into a firewall. And then from there, it'll go into either, mostly it's usually like a layer three, 2960X or something like that, or a mm. 35, uh, old, not, not an old layer three switch, but just those types of layer three switches. Right. Um, um, and that's a typical school district. And then they have a lot of access points. A lot of schools are wireless. Oh, I wireless. bet, yeah wireless heavy um that's that's one thing that you really got to make sure you get have working is the wireless because everything's wireless ipads and they have a lot of them have a lot of schools are going google now so there's a lot of uh, chromebooks chromebooks oh mm. yeah interesting uh, that's 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 really big so um so i imagine you have to be pretty well versed in wi-fi um, you know, our network specialists probably do. I, I'm not as much because uh, mm. I'm really the infrastructure administrator for the the service provider portion of our business. So I don't I don't go to the school districts as often. Uh, mm. I used to, um, but used to when I would go to school districts, it was more as a VoIP person, not a not a network not a network person. So, and there and there where where I work, they really do kind of you're you're in the VoIP department. You work on just VoIP. You rarely get into the network stuff. Interesting, you, huh? You can, you can, but if you need to get that far and you're kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, they want you to call <laughs> the network specialist. Yeah. And and the same thing is the other way around. You know, those guys can troubleshoot the VoIP stuff to a point where, hey, I plugged it in, it's pulling the right IP address, but it's not registering with your stuff. I don't know why. So mm. that's that's kind of where you have to, you have to know a little bit about firewalls and and, you know, figure out, the NAT traversal stuff and how, um, 
you know, basically the way we do it is, you know, it's a it's a private IP on the school side, and then it sees the private IP on our side, and you have to not NAT. Since it's a layer two mm-hmm. private network between us and them, all those no NAT statements, uh huh. <laughs> yep, all those no NAT statements, uh-huh. and you have to know how to build that stuff, and you have to know how to look at those translation tables and how to build it, how to build the access list for that, and then of course, now with everything going next gen firewall, it's a it's all GUI based. You know, there's not a lot of CLI. So what uh, are you looking at now? Do you guys have Firepower or Palo Alto? We've we've looked at Palo Alto and we're looking at uh, Cisco's uh, FTD stuff and their mm. FDM platform. And we're also looking at, you know, there's two ways to run it. You know, you could run it locally, which I think if you run it locally, I think it's called the FDM mode. Um, to me, it kind of looks Meraki-ish. I'm not saying that badly. I just think <laughs> well, the last GUI th- is... So the last the time GUI- I touched it, I... Um, I had a 5555X in ASA, and we just put an SSD inside of that, and it ran off of that that module. So, what, what does it look like now for Firepower and FTD? For Firepower FTD, it's just a it's just a you know, like a one U chassis uh, box. Um, okay, you can you can they they want you to buy it as an FTD, but you can uh, you can turn it into an ASA hmm. if you want to. Uh, my understanding from from what our Cisco guys have told us is. The ASA code at some point will, will go away. I'm not sure when. I don't know that they knew a timeline, but oh wow, uh, they're they're pushing they're pushing people. Well, I mean, if you look at the uh, ASA and you look at the throughput that it does, the money that you spend on an ASA uh, won't take you as far as if you buy an FTD. So, like, if you're wanting wanting to, you know, an an ASA will do fine up until like a gig or something. But if you want to go past a gig of throughput. Then really, FTD is your better option because mm-hmm. your money will go. Your money will go a lot further because you can start turning on the IPS stuff and the malware protection stuff, and your right. money will just go a lot farther. Now it's, it is expensive to you know obviously. I mean, you want to start enabling features. I mean, you're going to have to pay for all those features, but you're not going to be able to do that with an ASA. You know, ASA is just stateful firewall, and with the next gen firewall stuff, I think is the way to go. Whether you do Palo Alto or Cisco, I think from what we've seen, they're both comparable as far as functionality. Now, so as far as security, um, I imagine a school district would be interesting because you got a bunch of, let's just, a bunch of dumb kids going in there. They don't know what they're doing. They open up all these attachments or viruses. And and what are the kind of vulnerabilities you're seeing? And and what are some of the biggest threats you're encountering? Um, VPN stuff, you know, so um, kids that will subscribe to a VPN service where they can bypass the school's web filter. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was all over that. When I was doing it, it was all about proxies. We weren't on VPNs just yet. Uh, but yep. yeah, all the, all the kids now do VPNs to bypass that's those. Where, uh, that's where an IPS will come in handy because, you know, an IPS will look at, are you really HTTP traffic or are you just hiding yourself as HTTP traffic? So do you, do you put or, everything through IPS? We try to, yeah. Um, mm. You know, if, if it's a school district that contracts with us for security, you know, we'll, we'll run them through our IPS. And if not, you know, they typically have their own Cisco IPS or Palo Alto, whatever they have. What kind of web uh, filtering so do you use? We're using Nespective. I've never heard of part. that. I had neither until I started working there. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I started out using Surf Control, and then I think I used um, WebSense was what I used to use at the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they liked to talk to, I think they have a protocol that they use to talk to Cisco stuff, WCCP protocol or something mm-hmm. like that. It's been a while since I've looked at it. But, <laughs> um, really the kind of thing that I'm really, uh, that we did, and this is what Austin McDaniel at Cisco helped me construct was the way our infrastructure was our IPS. I'd have to show you a diagram, but <clears throat> our IPS set on the outside 
of the network. And then behind the IPS was our ASR nine, ASR nine K. Uh-huh. And so all the BGP traffic, cause we, we do BGP pairing with AT&T and uh, there's a, there's another internet provider in Texas. It's, you know, government and, you know, education entities pay for this other, they call used to call it internet too. And there used to be no, you know, uh, ads or anything like that on there. And <clears throat> so we pair with, uh, AT&T, we pair with our other internet provider learn and all that BGP traffic would have to traverse through the big Cisco IPS that we had mm. and Austin or Cisco guy kept saying, man, you need to put your ASR on the outside and put your IPS on the inside. And then I thought, well, what about for schools that don't have, that have their own IPS? We don't want them to go through our IPS. And so we, through EIGRP, you know, we peer our, we peer our Nexus. We have two Nexus boxes. We peer that with uh, ASR and it's got you know two, two separate links and two separate peers. And so we advertise based on uh, just using EIGRP. We just, whatever, if we want Nexus 2, which is the uh, not IPS, we advertise that school's network off of that. And then for ones that do need the IPS, we advertise it off the other one. So oh, ASR cool. looks ASR looks at it and goes, okay, well, this one goes this way and this one goes this way. It, it's pretty cool and it actually works. That stuff is so fun. Uh, when you when you we can use those protocols and everything to route traffic and, and be creative. Like that's what people don't realize is how creative you can be as a network engineer. Because right. there's a, a million and one ways to do one thing, and it's that's it's right. so fun to come up with a solution like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, um, schools. Uh, the biggest security thing we see is you know students trying to get smart and bypass the filter. Uh, we see a lot of. Uh, denial of service attacks, just like a lot of people do. I mean, we see a lot of, we, um, I think it's important for people to see if they can subscribe to a denial of service service. I think we used to use Verizon. I can't remember what we use now, but, Mm. um, something through learn, I think is what we use. I can't remember what they use, but subscribing to to that type of stuff helps because then if you start getting denial of service, then you can get with your denial of service partner and they can quote unquote mm-hmm. black hole that stuff so it doesn't yeah. overrun the rest of your network you know especially yeah, when you're otherwise you couldn't really do much about it i mean denial of service is i mean it's it's ridiculous <clears throat> oh it can cripple your whole network mm-hmm. and you, that's that's a that's a big deal there's a lot of a lot of bad guys out there you know and they they spend all their time figuring out how to to get into your stuff and by the time you stop them they figured out another way while you're trying to figure out how to stop them it's it's never ending cycle being in security is a tough, tough business. So you're, I mean, you're, you're pretty well-rounded as far as the networking scope of things. I mean, because you, you do routing switching, you've done voice, you're doing security and you're doing data center right now, right? Yes. We That's, you, you know how many guys would kill to be in your, your position? Because like, I, <laughs> when I, I, I was in your place at one time where I was doing everything, even even the Windows side of things, doing Exchange and then doing VMware. Like I could, I could touch everything. I was a domain admin. Uh, but then I worked for a company where it was just voice and just network and I couldn't touch anything else. And I felt so like handicapped. I felt like someone cut off my hands. So you're lucky to be in the position you're in. Man, it took a lot of praying to say, hey, put me in a position <laughs> where I can be, you know, where I could. I, I, you know, I felt like VoIP was good for me. And it, 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 it allowed me to understand. You know, the biggest thing I got out of VoIP was understanding how quality of service worked. Mm, that's and huge. Understand, understanding how network gear looks at VoIP packets or video packets and queuing and shaping and policing. And, and, you know, when you're peering with a service provider and figuring out that, 
um, they're not honoring your QoS packets. Because you know, I think I can't remember which service it is, and maybe layer two or three. I don't remember what it is, but some of them will not honor your 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 QoS packets. So mm. if you if you send something across to this provider. They just strip everything off you just sent them and put their own QoS on top of it. So, oh man, you, some of them you have to pay for that service for them to, you know, it's sort of like Cisco gear. I mean, you can do the same thing with Cisco gear, turn that QoS stuff off and where it will ignore every QoS packet you send or everything that you tag as a QoS packet. You can rewrite it yourself. And that's what some providers do. But uh, that that's the biggest thing I learned doing VoIP was figuring out how QoS worked and figuring out that. QoS only kicked in when there was congestion. See, I always kind of thought, hey, turn this on and it's going to fix your problems. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just, it's only going to work if there's congestion. If there's no congestion, it's not really going to do much. Right. And it's kind of like, it's like a, it's a last resort measure. It's like you're bleeding. So put pressure on this so the other stuff can work. Like, it's just like, it's so you can live when, when things get crazy. The, yep. the, the like, best, the best medicine is more bandwidth. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on a sinking ship. I think mm-hmm. is what someone said, um, that that's pretty much what it's like. It's just, yeah, it's going down. We'll just, you go first and you go last. <laughs> women, and, yeah, women and children first, Titanic style. That's what, that's what that's QoS right. is. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but that, oh, go ahead. That, that's probably the biggest thing I learned out of, out of VoIP was, was the learning how to look at SIP packets was huge. Uh, oh, that yeah. really, really helped me. And then understanding QoS and, and really understanding it from a layer two and layer three's perspective, you know, switches do QoS different than routers. Mm-hmm. And just, just going to Google or going to YouTube and just finding videos on QoS. I mean, Kevin Wallace has a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. about QoS. Love Kevin and Wallace. He's so good. He's probably one of the, out of all the ones, I mean, I think Safari Online has a QoS class that you can go to Safari Online and just type in QoS. And I think there's several videos out there but i think kevin's was probably one of the ones that really res- resonated with me the most was i know that he does a he, he does a killer qos um uh, presentation at cisco live i think every year and uh if anybody's interested you can actually go to cisco live.com get a free account and just type in kevin wallace you can find that session if you really want to deep dive into qos that's man that's that's even, even if you're not a voip person uh learning qos is crucial mm-hmm. i mean i think that it'll it'll help you even if you're not running a cisco voip system i mean every voip system will will send qos packets and you know, it's either tagged with ef or or whatever else it is um and as long as you're looking at that ef packet it's probably a voip packet maybe but that's one thing that i found so like surprising because i i was in the cisco only realm for so long that when i started working with other equipment i'm like huh I know how to work all this stuff. It's amazing, like what is actually RFC and, and what's standardized and how other vendors implement it. But I mean, if you learn Cisco, you can pretty much do most things without they, they, too much difficulty. Yeah, they set they set the stage for a lot of they set the standards for a lot of you know they're the they're one of uh, maybe they're not the biggest, but to me they are. Um, they're one of the most well known uh, networking companies, especially and. Mm. People are going to model their stuff after that. You know, I mean, you can go to Palo Alto and their security stuff is similar to Cisco. They're all similar. They're, they're mm-hmm. all just like each other. They all, they all borrow from each other and they'll go and they'll hire each other's help and stuff. So, I mean, oh, yeah, you see all the time, like if you, follow, if you follow any Cisco person on Twitter, they're going to end up changing to Palo Alto or they'll go to Juniper or VMware. I mean, it's, it's funny how that works. It is, you know, and you just got to kind of go with what, you know, uh, I would say your gut feeling, but you know, you just got to go with what's best for your company. I mean, 
whether you're looking at just based off price or based off hardware or do your research, go to, go to, go to, go, go to websites to find, uh, try to find vendor neutral specs, uh, you know, cause a lot of these companies will go out and they'll do benchmarks on a lot of right. this gear, trying to find people that can do that. That's not, um, biased in one way or the other. That's tough. I'll, I'll be straight up honest. I'm the most biased person you'll see. If you see me talking about a Cisco product, it means I haven't looked at anything else. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just Cisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I, 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 try, I try to push Cisco if I can, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, from from our perspective, you know, um, working where I work, when we're talking to the school district, we can't really tell them one way or the other. Hey, buy this Cisco gear. I mean, we just make recommendations and let them. They they purchase their own stuff, and we just work on it. So mm. you know, we we have school districts that just have HP switches, HP Procurve, and HP. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yep, we have some that have HP Procurve. We have some that have Dell switches. We have some that have uh, old three com switches still in the rack somewhere. No. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Do they have support contracts on those things? Um, typically, when it's come to that point, it's it's a new school for us, and we're, we're also kind of unique in the sense that. We only have, you know, 60 something customers. We, we don't go after anything else. I mean, we're not going to go, go market ourselves to a bank. I mean, we only do school districts mm. and it benefits the school district to, to do, to do business with us just because, you know, the people that work above me, you know, the people that work in management and stuff, you know, there, a lot of them were teachers, a lot of them were coaches, a lot of them were principals, superintendents at schools. So those guys really know the education side and they were in the trenches as a, uh, you know, a staff member at whatever school district they came from. And so they really know. And for me, I came from banking. I don't know anything about schools (laughs) just other than being their service provider and knowing what their needs are. And, and uh, knowing that like right now, I'm sure, I mean, I I don't know if your kids are old enough to do star tests here in Texas, but star testing is huge. You have to have internet access. A lot of those state testing uh, platforms are online only. For certain, wow. for certain grades, uh, for some of them are still paper. I think you know, my, my son's almost 15 and I think some of his star tests are paper and some of them are electronic. I don't know. It, I ask him and he gives me a different answer every time. But, <laughs> uh, I know like I said, my wife's a teacher and I think all hers are online. So having internet at the school while they're in school is important. I mean, you, you do not take it down. And, you know, if, if something happens, they call. <laughs> uh, so it's important to, um, Internet, I always, you know, I said earlier that it doesn't seem like it's as important as like at a bank, but it's it's important in a different way. You know, they don't they don't use the internet the same way that a banking person does. Right. I think they're 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 more tolerant of failure at a school district. Like if something goes down, well, okay, we can chill out and twiddle our thumbs. Whereas a banker is more like, okay, I'm pissed at you because you're costing me a lot of money right now. And I think yep. it's just that that perspective. I, I, I never want to work for a financial institution again. But I tell you what, they're fun because they're always changing and. They, they do have good budgets. They do want to buy stuff because when they need to go faster and they grow so fast, they need big stuff. It's fun. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, bank, banks are, are security heavy. I mean, you know, they're taking oh, care of your yeah. finances. You know, school, district, school districts are becoming that way now, too, because, you know, student data and how easy it is to mine oh. student data. So it's, it's very, very important for school districts to really – uh, start start beefing up their security. Video is huge. I mean, you know, you have field trips and stuff like that might be taken. You might have a field trip at a museum in Chicago, and they want to broadcast that to school districts. Really? And so, 
Yeah, we'll have we'll have school districts call us. Teachers will call us, and they'll say, "Hey, my fifth grade class wants to watch this uh, video that's taking place in Chicago about dinosaur bones or something." And so Jeff Rogers, or he's our he's our he's our video administrator. Man, that guy's on the ball. I mean, he, <laughs> you, you, I, you were to, you could ask me any question you want about video, and I probably could not answer it. But is, him, is, he, is he like one of those old legacy Tanberg guys or something? Yes, actually, uh. man. He'll if if I were to get him on the call, he would be talking to you about Codian and Tanberg, and <laughs> he, he uses a scheduler. Uh, I think um, I can't remember what Cisco's is called. It's the uh, I can't remember what their scheduler's called. Um, I like it starts too. conduct conductor maybe. Oh I don't yeah, remember. yeah, telepresence conductor and. Uh, all the other stuff. <laughs> well, we looked at that. We we don't have that. I think I think Jeff uses a, a li, not life life size as a recorder. Um, Renovo, I think, is what he uses for for, for scheduling. Mm. And it'll it'll dial our MCUs. He'll go in there and he'll say, at nine a.m. I want you to call the the video codec at the school and place a call to the museum in Chicago or the museum here in Amarillo. That's so and, cool. Man, it's cool. Um, you know, and the teachers can, it, it, I think it can be pretty, you know, pretty well interactive. Um, so there's, there's all types of stuff that we do. Like, like I said, you know, when you take what we do and you take it out to the rest of the world, you know, outside of Amarillo, may not be that unique, but to this area, that's pretty unique to do all of that stuff. No, no. I mean, I think you, um, you don't realize what you do is pretty cool. I mean, a lot of companies I've worked at, I mean, they just don't have the needs that you do. Like, I work for a financial company and they don't really care about video. Like I was, nope. for me, I, I was learning it. So I'm like, well, we should definitely do this. No joke. We should do it because I care about it. <clears throat> but at a school, there's a real need for it. There's a real purpose. You guys have unique needs that have to be met. And it's so fun to see how technology can meet that. Yeah, um, it's interesting that um, we'll have like a Spanish class and there's a, there's a town called Claude. It's actually on the way to uh, Dallas uh, from Emerald. So for me to get to where you live, I have to go Emerald, the next town over is Claude and then it goes eventually you wind up Winchester Falls eventually you wind up in Dallas but anyways Claude I think I don't know if they still do uh, at one point in time they did so if, if I'm wrong I'm sorry but I think they teach a Spanish class and then they actually contract with other school districts in our area their students take a Spanish class through uh, Claude well, Claude School District well, that's cool. and, and it's all based on the video equipment and the MCUs and all that stuff that we have at our in our data center so what we do is really unique. It's really cool. Um, I love it. Um, it's, it's stressful sometimes, um, especially when <laughs> sometimes I get a little more confident than what I need to. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to work. So I, I, had my, I had my routes set up. I told you earlier about our Nexus boxes and our ASR. And oh, I had what, all, uh, what flavor of Nexus do you have? It's a 93128. Mm. So it's big boy. It's 96 ports. Like it Ooh. does like. Six gig, uh, six ten gigs, and four forty gigs. I think is what it does. Oh my uh, goodness! Wow. And th those are so. Those are so. I'm just learning the Nexus stuff. Nexus is a trip, depth. man. Like VPCs and all that, and and, and peer linking. Like that's some heavy stuff. That's so cool. There's there's another one of our school districts, and this guy, he is at the top of. He's in a smaller town, but man, his data center that he has in his school district. It's it, the, the name of the town's Canadian, Texas. And then <laughs> Canadian man, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Man, that guy, I get so much inspiration from him. His name's David Calabrese. He's he's actually from Italy. And uh it's kind of funny when I met him, uh when he talked, he, he didn't have a Texas accent, but he, he had an accent, but it wasn't 
I, w- I didn't think it was like an Italian accent. It was just like, huh, th- I can tell this guy's not from Texas, but I don't know where he's from. <laughs> but he didn't have like an a- Italian accent. Like he's been working on it for a while and it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is he tells you, and I think that I think that, he, I think, I think that uh, I'm correct in saying this, that he learned how to speak English by singing heavy metal in Italy. That's interesting. He, he played he played the bass guitar and learned how to speak English, uh, speaking uh, singing heavy metal. And man, you were to speak to this guy today, you're like, man, why, I you, why are you screaming at me? Stop! <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool. I, I got a lot of inspiration from him. A lot of you know, he he has a couple of Nexus boxes too, and, and uh, I was his network specialist, um, and he did a big time. He went from just a regular VMware to VX Rail, and mm. that was a huge huge change for him. And, when I when I started working with him when I was a network specialist for six months or three months whatever I was I, I started out VoIP specialist for four years almost almost four years and then one of our network specialists left and we really didn't fill the position at the time so they asked if I would be willing to take on a couple of schools as a network guy uh, just to do lands land stuff you know just like work on switches and printers and stuff right and a uh, canadian was one of the schools that i that i took and and he was doing that big migration that summer and oh my gosh you talk about stressful i mean <laughs> it's like you know school gets out probably this week or next i think from the time school went out whenever he started this project until the day school started that poor guy worked the whole time getting that Man. data center up and it was just bless his heart man he worked he worked super super hard but that, that's a good thing, though. Like, I didn't think about that. But like, you know, in, in most companies, you cannot be down for that long. But school, it actually goes out for a while. So you got a big maintenance window. That's pretty cool. That People always ask me, hey, when's, when's your busiest time? Summer. Yeah, Hands for down, sure. Uh-huh. Summertime. That's like Christmas that's, for us is always huge. Or well, actually, sometimes it is. Sometimes we have change windows or like they just do a change freeze. But yeah, when people are off, we're on. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. yeah. Summertime? Big, big, big. What's kind of funny though, too, is that that's when I take on my vacations. You know, my, taking the family for the first time. We're going to Florida. I've never been there. I've always wanted to. Uh, we'll actually fly to Dallas and stay to Dallas, stay in Dallas for several hours, waiting for our plane to go to Florida. But I'm excited. I get to go to Las Vegas too, so nice. I'm excited about that. Uh, Florida, Cisco high. Live. Florida. Are you going to Cisco Live? No, I want to though. I can't afford to. It's so it's so expensive. It is like I, I wouldn't go honestly if they didn't if people didn't pay for me, especially in San Diego. I mean, just the hotel prices alone are ridiculous. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yes, Cisco Live. You're, are you going? Mm-hmm. Is it in San Diego this year? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, I think Austin was telling us about that. It was he was telling us about uh, going to Cisco Live this year. He, he was telling us today that. Cisco has an employee. I think he said it was an employee conference and it's in Las Vegas this year. I think it's in June or July, maybe August, something like that. I don't know. And he was talking about the stuff that they do. And I thought, man, I need to go to work for Cisco. It sounds like a fun place to work. And not that region's not. I mean, it, I don't know, dude. Like the, the more I think about it, like I, I've gone to where I've worked on a bunch of things, like kind of like you do. Then I've gone to where I'm, I'm more specialized, where I focus on one thing, and I definitely prefer what you do. And mm-hmm. I, I hear that a lot. Like when, when you go to work at Cisco, you're going to be siloed. You'll be one thing. Like you'll be one thing within the thing. Like if you work for for like collaboration tech, you're going to be doing just CUCM. You won't be doing presence. You won't be doing Jabber or you know uh, cubes or anything else. Just one stinking thing, and that, that drives me crazy because you get yeah. bored super fast. Yeah, we actually have a um, speaking of cube. We have Cube, and it's um, does our SIP trunk to AT and T. 
And that thing's pretty solid for the most part. And I say that and tomorrow it'll be down. But we actually <laughs> we actually have another cube device. And what it does is it's no longer Cisco supported, but so we have all these ninety nine seventy ones. And when we when we first rolled out VoIP, it was so I don't want to say it's marketing thing, but we sort of like um, push that out there to say, hey, these are our phone, these are our phones, and this is the type of service you'll get if you switch to our phone system. The problem was was not all not all of our schools. I mean, I think there's like sixty school districts in this area, and I think we really only do business with maybe fifty something of them. I, I don't really remember what the number is, but anyway, there's a lot of them that don't use us for internet. They they use their own local service provider or whoever it is. So we had to make a way for the the phone, the, the 9171, work on our phone system. And what's kind of funny is if it was a school that does video with us, they already have a private circuit from us to them for video. So some of those schools, we would talk their tech director into allowing us to throw the phone onto the video network and route just that one uh, phone network that we needed over their video line instead of over the public internet. If not... Oh. Um, we had to um, either do a VPN on the phone or do with this cube device, this other cube device. Basically, the phone registers to this cube proxy, and mm-hmm. that cube proxy registers to, to CECM, and it's buggy. <laughs> it's, it's, I've called Cisco Tech, and they're like, yeah, this really isn't supported anymore. I was Interesting. like, oh. Wow. And I remember, you know, I, I'm the one that talked him into buying this thing because we, the problem with the VPN phone for us was, you know, when you're a superintendent, you have already, if you're not, if you're not on our phone system, you're, you already have a, a phone on your desk and maybe a Shortel or maybe a Via or Mitel mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you have this other, they call it the bat phone. <laughs> it's our phone. It, a lot of times it, it's either not sitting on their desk or it's in a closet plugged in and they get it out when there's a conference and that's it. But the problem is, is if we're doing maintenance on our side and we have to reboot the internet or reboot the connection that that service is tied to, if it doesn't come up within a certain time, the VPN dies Mm. and the the superintendent doesn't know to go and click connect or the VPN won't auto reconnect. It just, after a while, it'll just time out and say, "Uh, I'm done. I'm tired. So so you guys don't like have expressway MRA or anything? No, we, we tried looking into that. Um, we don't we don't have that. Um, we I think that the expressway we have, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I think the expressway we have is only for Jabber, and we don't have anybody that uses Jabber. It's kind of funny, Jabber. They made this big push with Jabber, and I I tried really really hard to get some of our schools interested in it, but <laughs> a lot of them weren't interested in it. I, I tried to use it for remote desktop support. Because right now we use Bombgar. Bombgar is our big mm-hmm. remote support, and I tried to use the Cisco Jabber client, and it was kind of flaky. It's buggy. Uh, like I, I remember uh, when they first started doing those remote screen options for Jabber. I'm like, this is so cool. We can replace all of these things we have, and it just became a last resort if something else wasn't working because it, it was we, so buggy. We had a problem with uh, you know, so we're a all PC uh, entity. Uh, some of our schools are all Macs. Oh yeah, and we have so many schools are Mac only. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, or or it was a Chromebook, and um, so I had a hard time getting the remote remote agent to remote support into the if especially if it was a Mac computer. Mm. Uh, it that wouldn't work. Now I think there's a fix for it. I didn't have time to fix it, but 
um, I couldn't get anybody to get interested in Jabber. Now they're pushing that. Uh, what's that? What's that one? They're WebEx Teams. WebEx Teams. That's mm-hmm. right. They've changed the name on it so many times. Well, you know, I was I was just at Cisco and I I met one of the collaboration guys who like does a lot of the testing to make sure things are compliant. And I was like, dude, tell me please. What is the news on Jabber? Is it going to be around? What's the plan? And he, he basically told me, yeah, it's going to be a thing, but eventually it's going to be absorbed into something else. Uh, like cloud, they're, they're, they're really pushing the hybrid stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, a bunch of hybrid stuff. Um, and I was, I was kind of pushing them on it too. Like, I was like, hey, what's the future of VoIP? What do you think? Because, you know, they, 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 have, they know what their, all their clients are doing. They know what their customers are doing. And um, – it's like what you say. It's not going anywhere. A lot of customers no. still need that on-prem environment for security, for for emergency calls. I mean, there's so many things that you that's dependent on voice that's not going to go away anytime soon. It's too yep. like checking your Facebook and, and and downloading file. Like those are things, but like voice has to work all the time. It's very important. Yeah, so. it's just like your cell phone, man. When you pre- how many times have you picked up your cell phone and your cell phone doesn't work? Hard, hardly ever. Yeah, but if uh-huh. it doesn't, man, you get frustrated when it doesn't work. Yeah, that's you when try you to make your carriers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll hey, tell you um, a big, a big ahead. thing that we're looking at right now. I'm sorry, um, a big thing we're looking at right now is actually SD WAN. That Ooh, we're I was going to ask you about that. So, like, I you said you have an MPLS and you've got a yes. Metro uh, cloud going on. So, so SD WAN, what's going on with that? So, for SD WAN, we've reached out to a couple of companies. You know, we've reached out to Cisco, and it's almost kind of funny. We've reached out to Cisco. We've reached out to um, and I can't remember the name of these companies. Um, Velo Cloud, and I think uh, CenturyLink has their own. And yeah, and, and uh, up here it's up here it's AT and T and Windstream and mm. Sudden SuddenLink, and mm. each one of them has their own flavor of SD WAN. That's kind of funny. You talk to all three of them, and it's almost like SD WAN is an umbrella term, uh-huh. but they all have their they have their all all have their own specialty within SD WAN. Like Cisco's SD WAN is more like. You've already got the provider there. You plug your connections into it, and then it figures out which way to route it based on the parameters that you set in it. Windstream's sort of the same way. Uh, I haven't actually talked to them, so I don't really know exactly what theirs is, but it, the impression I get is it's more like we'll go out. And the problem we have is some of these areas are so remote that we have fiber connection to every single one of our school districts. But for that town, that's probably the only fiber connection they have. I and mean, you're talking maybe an LTE connection for a backup. So for us, SD-WAN is going to be interesting if um, we can find providers in the area of this uh, school that mm. can do something more than 10 meg or 20 meg. And that's the problem that we're having when it's a really remote area is sometimes that I don't know that SD-WAN is going to be your aunt. You're looking more for a resilient connection is what you're looking for. Right. Um, but SD-WAN is so cool because it will look at the traffic based on what you set, and it'll say, okay, well, you have a fiber connection here, and I'll route your VoIP and all your other high-priority stuff here. But if you're just going to, like, Netflix or something, uh, you're going to go this way. So SD-WAN is kind of cool. I, I had a hard time at first trying to figure out what the difference was between SD-WAN, and to me it sounded like DMVPN. Something cool. It's like iWAN. Like, that was the biggest – like, that's what I asked Cisco. I'm like – you guys have iWAN. What's the dang difference? <laughs> it's just fancy it, iWAN. Is that what it is with the dress on? Like, what is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're looking into SD-WAN and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get some answers for, you know, for some of our guys that are out there that, that uh, have a provider that's able to give them a 50 meg connection. SD-WAN is an easy solution for us. But if they don't, 
LTE is a okay backup, but I don't know. I mean, you want to send VoIP over an LTE connection mm-hmm. along with everything else. Uh, you might as well just tell them you have a secondary connection, but all you can do is VoIP. But I don't know. Well, I used to hate it. Like we, we would have a bunch. So a mortgage company, like we would have a bunch of branches and like, like a school district, we'll have a lot of branches in like remote offices where you can barely get a T1. And sometimes we, we just be shipping 4G hotspots out there. And sometimes they just have to stop using our internet and use their phones because, and I was embarrassed to say that, like we couldn't support them. Yep. It, it stinks, man. And uh-huh. it makes you, you know, when you're at, when you're the one that's asked, Hey, I need you to find a solution that will will give us a resilient connection and you're thinking, uh, okay, well, um, this town, <laughs> this town, it, it's because of us that they have a fiber connection to begin with. And the <laughs> only fiber connection in the town is us. So that's going to be kind of hard, but you know, I, I, I paraphrase that a lot, but I mean, in yeah. all seriousness, it, it really is tough. Um, but yeah, well, yeah. You, you, I should have you back on when you, uh, when you guys decide on SD Wing, cause I'm curious. Cause like, I know Cisco's pushing it so hard, but tell us so hard and it's a cool solution, but man, these providers that have it baked in, they can make a better deal for you. And a lot of the time it could be really cool. So I'm curious yep. what you're going to find out. Yep. I'll let you know. But uh, I don't want to make this too long. So I want to get to some of the meat that I know people care about. What, okay. what certifications do you have right now? I have a CCNA route switch and I have a CCNA collaboration. I have an A plus and a net, network plus. Uh, working on my CCMP route, um, I, I took the switch twice. I failed it the first time, went back and for some way I was able to figure out exactly what I was missing. I took the test two weeks later and passed it. Uh, the route, I'm, I haven't been as lucky. Um, the first time I took it, it was kind of funny. I've taken it three times. And, and the that first was time me I, too, just so you guys know, that was me. Yeah. The, the, what was funny was the first time I took it, I did really well. I almost passed it. I think I was like 10 points away or whatever it was. The second time I took it was not as good. It was like you know, 20 points away. That's so weird, the, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the third time I took it, I thought I felt really good about it. I thought, oh, man, I passed this. this I, I knew exactly what I, I did. The, that was the worst I've done. And. I have had to go back and watch your videos to get some uh, some revitalization in me to go for certifications again. Because I'll tell you what, that third time I failed it, man, it killed me. I thought, I thought I knew this stuff. I, I don't even know where to go. And I reached out to uh, a couple of guys that do some Cisco certification training. I think Rob Riker was one of them. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen him, yeah. Um, reached out to him and, and uh, he kind of gave me some advice on what to do and, and uh, thanks to him for that because he, he had his own channel I think for a while I don't know if he still does but um, I, I, I got kind of stuck in a rut there and I'm finally getting myself back out of it and it's kind of weird you know when I tell people what I do at work and I don't have a CCIE and I don't have a CCMP they think how did you qualify for that job oh really so, like, so a lot of the guys at your work have CCIEs uh, not at my work, but just in the industry itself. Oh, the industry. Yeah, like th- yeah. that was funny. Like, I think, and this is uh, you know a, a debate that everyone has. The CCIE, like when you're in your position right now, like you're you're pretty much at the top of your game, right? Like there's you can't really go much higher. Probably not unless I want to go into management or something. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so you're you're at the top of the tech game, and um, I was going to ask like why even why even go for your CCMP if you're already at the top. I think because it, it gives me confidence. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me is it gives me the confidence that, hey, I know how to do this stuff. Uh, I've, I've spent hours on my own time uh, doing this stuff day in and day out. You know, going, I get up at five o'clock every morning, you know, get up and make breakfast or whatever, get the kids up, get them ready for school. 
go to work, come home six o'clock, then go to the gym, then come home and I study till eleven o'clock at night, eleven thirty at night. I mean, it's it's rough, but you know, and of course, I try to take some. I try to every once in a while, I try to take weekends off. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, I just rest my brain. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Is you you got to rest. I mean, you can't just just keep going, going, going. I mean, you got to give yourself rest. You got to, you got to unplug and rewind and just decompress. That's the biggest thing is decompress. Well, it's, and it's hard when you're, um, you're, you're doing what you're studying all day. Like you go to work and you're working on stuff. I mean, cause like what, I I don't know if it's true for you. I'm I'm sure it is true for you. But when you're working, uh, you're doing not only CCNA level stuff, not only CCMP level stuff, you're doing CCIE level stuff and even beyond that that stuff doesn't cover because you're having to dive deep into all these white papers and all these documentations and everything. It's it's insane. And then you have to come home and study CCMP routing and switching that covers a lot of stuff you don't see every day. Right. crazy I would say I would say what I'm doing currently now is really design heavy. Uh, very, very much so design heavy. And I even figured out today, uh, yeah, after talking with Cisco and our security solution that we're looking at, you know what? I don't think I counted for the SF. He, he was talking about 40 gig SFP modules and 10, 10 gig SFP modules. And I just blankly stared at him and I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't even think about that. How could I, how could I forget about that? I mapped everything else out. And then I looked at that and I go, Man, I don't even know that I could give you an answer right now. I'm I'm looking at our Nexus box going, ah, it, it's one of those things where it's two forties and the rest are ten or ten forties and the rest are four, ten ten tens and the rest are forty. I don't remember. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got some homework to do. Let's let's you give me what you think we need. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna draw this out and send it to you and tell you what we have. And man, just being able to reach out to partners and to reach out to Cisco directly if you can. And let them know your situation and let them know where you're at. And, uh, you know, for me, networking is the biggest deal. And I don't mean networking in the sense of computer networking. I mean, networking as in you, me, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we're several hundred miles apart, I mean, we're two guys with a common goal. And just being able to put yourself out there is a lot of times as IT guys, it's really easy for us to be reclusive and Mm -hmm. to... I mean, just, I, I've been there. Like I've been in places where I, I, I felt kind of uh, possessive of my knowledge and kind of reclusive. And I don't want to share it, and that's stupid. That's silly. Uh, the more you yeah. share, the more you put yourself out there, the more you grow and learn, and the more you don't realize that the, if the other guy's feeling just like you, it's it's yep. crazy when you encounter people like that. So it, yeah, you're, you're it, exactly right. It, it's hard to come out of your shell, and it's hard to you know. I think in person, I'm more more. I'm really pretty shy. And I have to kind of get really, really comfortable in my own skin, when, especially when I'm, when I'm in a room full of people that I don't know that well. I'm not very vocal. I, I'm one of those people. I like to just kind of soak everything in. I'm the same way. So probably like if It's funny. When people meet me in person, when I'm not like on network chuck mode, I'm a very quiet person. Like I, I, I'm like you. I, I like to absorb the information. I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't know if I want to say that because I'm not sure if it's right or not. I'm going to listen to what yeah. you have to say first. Yeah. I like to let people just talk and I'm... Uh, I don't know if it's the correct term to use, but I'm not the alpha male in the room. I like to let the alpha males talk and get their stuff out first. And I don't like people talking over me and I don't like talking over other people. And uh, I think that for me personally, it's about hearing everybody's concerns, hearing everybody's solutions, because I hate when I'm in a room or in a meeting and everybody's spouting out the same solution. Mm. It's like, okay, well, we're all spouting out the same solutions. I think, I think it's clear what we need to do. I like every... And, I'm not an ego person. If I'm not the person that came up with the solution, I really don't care. As long as either I know how to do it or the other person knows how to do it. 
I'm not an ego person. I mean, I'm there to learn. I'm there to help other people learn if they can, if I can. Well, um, and I think that's why you are where you are. Uh, there are so many guys who have the ego who want to be the one with the idea and get credit for it. But staying humble and just being that team player will take you really far. Your, I, your I, hunger for learning is 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 what's going to get you far. That that never dies. I think that's uh, you know that's new guys coming into this field. They see what we do and they think, hey, you kind of seem like I wouldn't say you have it easy, but you kind of seem like the kind of guy that when you go home at night, you don't stress, you don't think about work. But the truth of the matter is, is when I go home at night, that's when I'm doing the most work. That's when I'm doing the most studying. When I'm at work, I'm doing work stuff and I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I'm trying to, uh, try to make the routes more efficient. I'm trying to see if there's a way to make, you know, the Nexus and the ASR communicate more efficiently. CCNA and CCMP helps you with that a little bit, but it's different, you know, uh, CCNA and CCMP and CCIE. It gives you that confidence and it gives you that this is the stuff you need to know for the exam. And this is the stuff Cisco looks for as far as um, what's required on their exam or whatever. But I think industry wise, I think that even though, you know, you can go read a Cisco press book. I don't know that that's going to necessarily say that you can go run any network you want to. But it at least gives you the foundational knowledge that you need to know because you're right. Um, do I ever do rip stuff? I haven't done rip stuff ever, only in a lab. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know who would run rip uh, if they didn't have to. And frame but, relay. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. That, that, that's the only thing, I'll tell you this, the only thing that's discouraged me lately is I realized that the CCMP track itself has been out there for a long time. And out of all the certifications that have been revamped, that's one of the ones that hasn't been revamped. And I'm so scared that it's about to get revamped. And that's what makes me nervous because it's been, what, 2014 or 2013, the last time that one was revamped. Yeah. And collaboration's been revamped. CCIE was revamped. CCNA was revamped. Uh, thinking, man, when's that one coming up for for, for renewal? Because a lot of the CCNA stuff is in CCMP. And mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I always tell people this when they ask about it. I'm like, I don't think much is going to change. Like, they're going to remove a few things. They're going to add a few more things on. And that's like, but when you're talking about something like collaboration or security, gosh, that's always like four or five years behind on what actually is really happening. I mean, telepresence conductor is not really a thing anymore. They they have their, um, I forget what it's called now, the, the media, uh, media sense, but something else. But it's, it's all been replaced. And then, you know, with security, firepower and FTD and all, uh, stealth watch, like all that stuff, so it, it updates so rapidly. Um, but routing switching, it's pretty pretty uh it stays pretty uh standard i think i'm i'm still i'm still curious to see when ip6 is going to take the stronghold that everyone says it's going to for us it's probably going to be quite a while well yeah Um, because like i mean i I totally get the isp realm um as more and more companies start you know needing stuff but on the private land who's ever going to use ipv6 who would ever need to use that from a service provider standpoint on our side, it would it would help in a lot of instances um, because then you could um, just the way we're the way we're kind of configured, I could kind of see where IP6 would help because we have a whole slash 17 range of IPs for public IP and sounds like a lot. But every you know, like so we have school, 60 school districts and all 60 of them have their own slash 24. So that kind of goes and then you're talking about circuits, point-to-point circuits I can and see stuff. That. So, yeah, 
it, it gets eaten up pretty quick. So from a service provider standpoint, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I can kind of see why IP6 got eaten up. So, I mean, IP4 got eaten up so, so quickly. Um, but, you know, for even for, even for us, we're, we're considered small business, even though we have 300 employees um, or, or so, whatever that is, and 30 of them work in IT. Um, we're still considered small business. You know, you know, I guess from American standards, 300 is pretty small business, I guess. I always, I came from a credit union that was 30 employees. So when I came to work here, it was 300 employees. I thought, God, this place is huge. <laughs> and we consider ourselves small. And I'm thinking, I don't think we're that small. But, you know, some of our school districts are bigger than we are. You know, some of the school districts we have are, you know, they have 2,000 students or 3,000 students and, you know, about 1,500 staff members. So some of our school districts are bigger than we are. But um, That's crazy. It, it is crazy. And, uh, now, man, I've just been – Oh, go ahead. I was just so thankful to come across your, your, your channel several years ago because I was at that point. Back then I was just doing VoIP stuff, just doing voice training. It was kind of the same thing. I took, I took a CCNA-level uh, certification test, and I, I bombed it. And I think I came across your channel, and you had the, the Star Wars shirt on. I don't remember what, <laughs> what, what I was watching, but I thought, man, this guy seems pretty cool. And I followed you ever since then, and I thought – Every time you put out a video, it was just a reminder of me to go, ah, you need to go and study. I mean, this guy's got it together as far as the, the Pomodoro timer. That thing helped me so much. Uh, dude, to, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Because, like, man, I'll tell you what. Like, it's good to hear I help people, but I go through the same crap everyone else does. It's like I, I talk about the reason I started my channel was because of um, uh, George Almazon. Like, he posted a few videos and – back when I had like 500 subscribers, I remember like geeking out when I reached out to him on LinkedIn and he responded to me. I was like, honey, look, this guy responded to me. I was so happy and excited. So I'm like, you know, if I could be that person for somebody else to just inspire you, that's. You were for me. So when I first started watching your channel, the last thing I thought was, don't take this the wrong way. The last thing I thought was seeing a CBT Nuggets trainer. I was watching a CBT Nuggets trainer in the making. And then, (laughs) That video that you put out that you're like about to go work for CBT Nuggets, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of that guy. That's so awesome <laughs> that you that you that you went there and that's all the hard work that you put in, man. It, well, I'm tell you that that was all God, dude. Like, and seriously, like the way you feel about Jeremy Chara was exactly the way I felt. Like when when I worked at um my, my two jobs ago, I had I was kind of your situation. I was my first voice job, and I was watching CBT Jeremy Chara, and me and this other guy, we we both love CBT. We we're both Jeremy Chara fanboys. Like we talked about him like he was Jesus, and it was like it was almost an idol in our <laughs> lives, and. Uh, so I, you know, I started doing this YouTube thing. I, I wasn't expecting it to go anywhere, and um, no joke, Jeremy reaches out to me on Twitter, and I've never spoken to this guy. Like he's just been afar, my idol. So he reached out to me. He's like, "Hey, you want to jump on a phone call?" And I'm like, and I was like, I was jumping up and down. Like I was like, "Honey, I'm about to jump on a call with Jeremy Chara. You have no idea." And she knows. Like I've talked about him forever. I used to play him in the car on the way to church. Uh, like I drove her nuts, <laughs> and so she she knew his voice really well. And to get on the phone with him, and I was like, I had to like pinch myself a little bit. Like it's so it's like hearing his video, but it's interactive. Like it's so weird. Um, but yeah, like to, to be part of CBT Nuggets. I still don't feel like I've, I'm sh- I should be there. Uh, it's, it's, oh, you should, man. It's, it's being among giants, but it's it's amazing. But I think everyone feels like that. Like wherever you are in life, whatever position you're in, you feel like you shouldn't be there. Like that's a, the imposter syndrome. And if you feel like you should be there, then maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if it's reverse, but to to be in the places we are in, like you're you're an infrastructure administrator. You're 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 high up there, and you're doing so many cool things. I'm sure you wouldn't like. I couldn't come in and do your job. 
I know Jeremy probably couldn't come in and do your job. Like you're doing an amazing, amazing things. I, I was going to ask um, I, this question and maybe one more question. I don't know how much time you have. Um, but if, if someone were to interview for your job, what, what kind of skills would they need? They would need, they would, they would definitely need some, some uh, VMware vCenter, uh, Hyperflex type, type experience. They would definitely need some uh, really, really, really heavy on the route switch. Uh, really, really heavy on just basic server knowledge. You know, mm. Windows, whether it's Windows or Linux, uh, being able to be put in a situation where no one at the place knows the answer to this but you. And knowing how to Google stuff. That's that's well, such a key well, skill that no one like it's gosh, I'm so good at Googling right now. Like I can find <laughs> anything like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so so for my position, I think someone would need to have at least 10 years of knowledge of just server maintenance, Windows updates, uh, knowing what to do when you do a Windows update and it breaks because I have to know that, too, even though I, I try to I try not to have to do it. Because you know it's kind of like uh, I've, I've done server admin stuff before. And that's that's not my forte. It's beneath me. <laughs> yeah, I I want to stick with Cisco because there's just so much stuff that I could do better if I could just focus just on mm-hmm. just anything Cisco. Let me take care of whether it's VoIP, video, route switch. Let me do it, and then you can have a server guy. So has unfortunately has programmability started to creep its way into your forte? Because I know it, you, you talked about how you go home at night <clears> and you're trying to figure out how to make things more efficient. Has it that. actually has because the programmability is, has come into play because since we've kind of re-engineered, redesigned the way just the the edge internet comes into our company, I was talking to our WAN administrator because our WAN administrator is over all of our network specialists. And when I say WAN administrator, he's like client services, you know, so like he, he all of our school districts are customers. And he's kind of like the forefront. He's their boss. And he's like, you know, the facilitator and all okay. that stuff. And I said, man, I would love to be able to give your guys some exposure to ASR and Nexus. And and I said, since we put EIGRP between the Nexus and ASRs now, we can just dynamically route. You know, if we need to make if we need to do maintenance on Nexus one. We can just shut it down and everything will just route to Nexus too. Mm. And I said, I would just love to give you guys some exposure to that because they're probably not getting that exposure at some of these places. And he said, well, can you come up with a script? And I said, well, I may not be able to come up with the script, but I probably can because of Python and software pro- programmability and Nexus. I mean, that's oh, like yeah. what it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that interface that it has with the, so yes, I think definitely not right now, but definitely in the future, when we get to a point where we're ready to start doing that, giving these people exposure to do that and to show them, Hey, you can go to your school district. And if you need to build a new switch, you don't have to do it from scratch. Just build a script, do Python and just let the script do it for you and just plug it in. And there it goes. It's ready to go. So right now, no, but in the future, definitely. I think that's going to be huge because these guys, their time is filled up not just with having to troubleshoot, you know, land switching and stuff like that. I mean, they're having to go and figure out why, you know, hey, I printed something. Why didn't it print? Or um, the student's trying to get to a website and the web filter's blocking. I mean, their, their time is filled up with doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that that stuff's not important, but doing land switching on top of that and being able to have that programmability where it just 
deployment, especially deployment. And, you know, cause you gotta think once every two years or so, a lot of these schools go through refreshes where they're getting new Cisco switches or new mm-hmm. whatever switches and being able to just to have that programmability in there. It was like, you get a new switch, you just plug it in hit go and it's ready to just deploy. I love the way I you describe that. Cause like, I, I mean, I, I've been there where you're, you're responsible for these huge things. And when you have like a huge network issue and you still got people coming to you saying, Hey, I can't print. And you're like, ah, you have to look at all those things and you got so many priorities, but you're, I love the way you put a positive outlook on programmability. Like it's going to help you do your job better. It's not going to replace oh, yeah. you. It's not going to ruin your uh, network engineers' lives. It's going to make it so much better because you, that we just can't do it all right now. And it's just going to help right. us be able to actually do our job. <laughs> I, think the way I, I, think, I think you're right. I think, that, I think that knowing the underlying infrastructure and knowing how switches are supposed to switch and how routers are supposed to route and Cisco specifically, how they built their architecture and how to look at the Ceph table and the adjacency table and all that stuff. That stuff is so important because I think it enhances your programmability skills. Oh, yeah. I, think, like, I mean, a software guy trying to, like, only software guy trying to understand that would be, I don't, I don't know how he'd go about it. That'd be so difficult. And I forgot that's another area that we do at Region 16 is we have our own programmers that do programming for school districts or other service centers like website hosting and stuff like that so i like when i tell you we're a managed service provider that's that's what we are for for our department now we also have like the accounting department we've got the bit uh, accounts pay i don't remember what that the school finance i think is what they call it i don't remember but these guys like reach out to the business people at the school and they say don't worry about the payroll if you pay us a x amount we'll we'll do the payroll for you so mm. that, that doesn't have anything to do with me necessarily, but they've figured out a way to like, get, I mean, because you got to think, man, a lot of these towns I'm talking about, they have a, a town of 800 people or something. So there's not a lot of people there, you know, mm. and sometimes when a lot of times what happens is someone goes to work for the school and they retire. This person did payroll. This person did accounts payable. This person did. Uh, they also did on they also did work on IT stuff and then they retire and now all of a sudden they don't have anybody. They reach out to us and we have all those services available. Accounts payable, whatever. Um, so that's that's really cool that they do that. And you know, not to mention I, I hate to say it too much and put too much of an explanation point, but being a government employee is kinda cool just because you get I get two weeks off at Christmas. Paid. Oh, that's cool. I don't have to like beg to take off. It's just like when the school's out, I'm out. That's awesome. Um, except for summers. I have to work summers. That's when we do our most work. Mm-hmm. Um, I get like two and a half weeks of vacation on top of the two weeks off of Christmas. It's, it's sort of like the best way I could explain it to you is we're like, I'm contracted. Don't take that literally, but it's like, I'm like a teacher. Teachers are contracted too. They're like, they work 222 days a year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they just, they, they, they stretch that out over 365 days. So it's almost like they're never really not 265, but they are just based on the way they're paid. Right. So right. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm contracted for like 232 days. And it's not like a contract I have to go in there and sign every year. It's it's a little unique. Texas is different on their contract stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't have to sign a contract every year. It's just like basically if the service that I work for goes away, then that's part of my income that goes away. So I'm absolutely all on board with video, VoIP infrastructure because it's it, it's what 
Butter's my bread. I mean, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, it's. I think you have to. I think. I think to go in and say, uh, "I'm just a rough switch guy. I hate VoIP." It does nothing to help you to mm. be that way. I mean, no, you, you, you have to be an IT guy. You can specialize, yeah. but you gotta you gotta love it all. I, it's kind of funny. I, um, hopefully, this won't be reaired. But when I started, I think I was hated because I came in with the attitude of. I'm here to learn everything. I'm here to just not take your job, but it benefits me to benefit my myself and benefit the school. And I think uh, people wanted to see me fail. And that was unfortunate because I took, I, I, I should say I alone, but when I started, we had 10 school districts that did VoIP. And now we have 30. Oh, wow. And it's because, because I, I'd call them and say, hey, send me your phone bill and I'll show you why you can save money switching to us. Mm. Because if you switch to us, you don't need a phone bill anymore. All you do is pay us X amount of dollars per month for a Cisco phone to sit on your desk because we're going to just route all your phone calls through SIP. And yeah, your- I've been on that one too. Like um, working for a mortgage company, every branch is kind of like its own little business and we try to recruit branches and we do the same thing. Like here's what we charge per phone. Uh, that's This is the cost and cost we'll have for it and we'll, we'll help you out. We'll manage the whole thing, SIP and everything. You ever, you ever heard of a company called Jive? Yeah. That we're, we're sort of like Jive on the phone except we charge like $12 a handset for anything over 50 handsets. Oh, we, we had the same cost model. Like we 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 were a bit higher. We was charged like fifty dollars per handset or something like that. Of course, <laughs> oh, we no, we're full, like full service. You know, voice voicemail, video yep. jabber, like everything. Yeah, we're we're fourteen and twelve is what I think what we are. We started out when I started. It was only eighteen. So if you were a school district that had two hundred handsets, it was eighteen dollars. If you were a school district that had ten handsets, it was eighteen dollars. So it's a genius and, business model. It's awesome. And I, I finally went. We had the school district that was kind of on. They were on the fence about you know, joining with us. And this is kind of where it's not only important to just have IT skills. I mean, you got to have Excel spreadsheet skills because basically what I did was I looked at what revenue I was aware of that, you know, they're not going to tell me everything, Mm -hmm. but I was, I looked at the revenue that I was aware of and I looked at the model that we were on and I said, Hey, look guys, we can lower our price a little bit. If we can lower our price to this, we will gain this other school district. And if we gain this other school district, we can lower everybody's price because now, because we're we're not a profit company, mm. so the only thing that goes back into the service center is salary. Really, um, we're not a that's that's the one thing that gives us an advantage is you know we get educational pricing for one, and uh, we're able to resell that service, but it, it's not a profit. It's like a credit union or something. You know, we're that profit doesn't necessarily go back into the credit union's pocket or our pro, our our pocketbook. That's you know, cool. We, we reinvest that money and we help everybody, you know, uh, it, the more people that sign on, the cheaper it is for everyone. So it's, even though I'm not a Democrat or a liberal, but s- sometimes that kind of makes sense in some, <laughs> how dare you? You're in Texas. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. It makes sense where it makes sense. Um, yep. It's not like, you know, there's not always one answer, but anyways, uh, it's, it's getting pretty late brother. So, um, I'm going to end off with a quick, uh, flash round speed round of, uh, question and answer. So here we go. Okay. Um, your favorite area of Cisco. So like route ra- switch. And so ra- I have two, I have two route switch and VoIP. Okay. That's kind of me too. Like I'll get into route switch. 
I'll love it to death. And then I'll forget about voice for a little bit. And I'll get back into voice. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I miss this so much. And it's vice versa. Rough um, switch is so foundational. Oh, it's great. Um, uh, what's your favorite routing protocol? My favorite what? Routing protocol. Uh, I love BGP. I hated it at first because I didn't understand it, but I love BGP. Yeah, JRP is pretty cool, but I'm starting to figure out that OSPF has got a lot of uh, nerd knobs to it, I like to say. Uh, <laughs> but I'd say right now between BGP and OSPF, I love BGP. Mm. Uh, I love it because it's challenging and it's not it's it's not just a protocol. It's what you can do with it. Um, oh, interesting, you know, interesting. It, it, it's it's you know, policy-based routing, that stuff is so cool. Uh, BGP, hands down. I love EIGRP too, but I'm starting to find out OSPF is cool too. So <laughs> it's, it's like you have three kids, which one do you like the best? It's hard to pick, but BGP, man, I love learning BGP. It's it's so cool. There's well, it's funny, it's my, the my, internet. My next question was, uh, which of your kids is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> All three of them, man. I can't, I can't pick. There's no way I could pick. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, trek trekkie oh, trekkie oh man <laughs> <laughs> trekkie uh, big time coke or dr pepper dr pepper oh yeah you're you're out in the the panhandle i forget all you guys are dr pepper out there um, are we really yeah like, uh, coke over here man coke all the way oh um let's see are you into harry potter at all uh my kids are um I, they've they've tried to get me into it uh, <laughs> i have not sat down and watched it but it looks really cool because I love Lord of the Rings. Ah, Lord starting of the Rings, okay. To, All right. Uh, Game of Thrones. I'm starting to kind of... Uh, Game of Thrones is kind of funny. I watched the first seven seasons, I think, or six. I watched the first six seasons, and I forgot everything I watched. And so <laughs> and I'm, there's a I'm lot starting, to keep track of. I'm starting back over at season one, and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is... Star- it's so freaking in-depth. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to watch that. It's one of the best that, like, shows ever. It's, it's amazing. Have you already caught up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm kind of one Here, of those let me guys. Let it that, for you. So this is what happened last episode. <laughs> I, I tell you what, a lot, of, a lot of the guys I work with, obviously they're Game of Thrones guys and they're Avengers. They love the Avengers. I'm one of those guys. You can say what you want. I go to Wikipedia and I get the I get the synopsis because <laughs> for some reason, like, okay, I went and watched the Avengers, right? And the whole big thing was don't spoil it for everybody. Uh, so... I went to Wikipedia right before I watched it because there's so much going on that if I can just get a brief overview of kind of what happens at the end, I can focus on everything else. That's funny. It's like, ah. So Game of Thrones, I'm caught, I'm Wikipedia caught up. I'm, I'm, I haven't watched it yet, <laughs> but I'm Wikipedia caught up. So I know exactly what happened la- uh, Sunday. I know all the guys are like, oh, my God, she's crazy. And I thought, really? That's weird because the episodes I'm on, she's She's pretty nice lady. So you're you're, kind, you're kind of like brand, like you know what's going to happen, but you're just experiencing it as you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheating. I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I, at first, when I started watching this, I was like, ah, that cat's that kid's kind of like me. He's kind of wimpy and dorky, but man, he's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool kid. Yeah, he's got gifts. He's cool. Well, anyways, man, um, my wife's uh, texting me saying, "You better get out of there." I got so I got to get. But dude, th- okay. thank you so much for taking the time. This has been amazing. So many guys are going to get so much encouragement from hearing your story and just what you're doing what you're doing is stinking cool i mean you may not realize it because you're in in and out you know doing it every day but it's amazing i'm like i love hearing about it so thank you seriously well thanks for taking the time to talk to me i mean don't sell yourself short man i mean i I know i talk a lot about jeremy chara but you're one of those guys that i'm telling you man you got me out of a rut 
and you'll never hope. I don't know if you'll ever understand it. You may understand what I'm talking about, but ever since I found your channel, it's changed, it's changed exactly everything. I mean, I, I was kind of getting that negative tone, but I saw your positive outlook and Jeremy's positive outlook. It's like, I can't compare the two men. I mean, I would be, I'm, I'm talkative to you right now, but if I were to meet you in person, I'd probably be just, I'd be like, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm so quiet and shy, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like you, when you reached out and he, you responded, I told him, I was like, Oh my God, Chuck responded. And you sent, <laughs> you sent me that. I don't have that. I don't have that cup with me. It's probably getting washed right now, but I got that <laughs> coffee cup. I drink out of that coffee cup every Saturday. So I wash it and that's my Saturday cup. I that's love what it, I dude. Like. That's awesome. So Man, thank I, you very much for that. I, it's no, it's, it's, you don't know what it means to me to hear all that. Cause I mean, most of the time it's just me talking to a camera and not like it's, I don't see the impact. So it's, it's cool to hear that. Um, I just, I just like, I just like where you've come. I mean, you've, you've, you've went from having this channel and, all that stuff and you got to meet kevin wallace and you got to meet every every single person you keith barker jeremy char all the guys I met that, all my heroes i mean it's it's ridiculous i like i told my wife when i started working at cbt nuggets it's like i i'm 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 major league now i'm in the nfl that's what you are man it's, it's I mean, amazing it's, <laughs> the, the, just it's like so humbling when i told my wife about it she's like oh man i bet you're i bet you're just nervous i'm like you know i'm really not because of what you said you know it's just two friends talking about mm -hmm. it stuff but Man, I'm so proud of where you've come from and where you, where you're at. Thanks, you know, because I I, I I relate to you. Um, you know, you 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 were saying on that last thing that you that you put out that you guys were on food stamps and government help and all mm -hmm. that stuff. I, I was there too, man. I'm so proud of where you were to where you are now, and you should be proud of yourself, man. That's all the work that you've put in. It's so tough, and just just be proud of yourself, dude, because that's 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 awesome where you're at. I appreciate you, it, man. You, yeah, absolutely. So dude, thanks again. Um, and, uh, if you guys want to follow Dallas, I'll put his Twitter stuff uh, below. Um, I don't know if you post about your certification journey, but I'm sure people will be uh, super encouraged by it. Even if you fail, I will, I will start doing it. Cause I think that, I think it'll help me to try to, you know, tell people my journey. It'll actually help me to expand on my experience. Oh this yeah. Whole journey. For sure. Absolutely. Well, that's about it guys. Um, thanks for watching. Any questions for me at Dallas? post them below and uh, I'm sure we'll jump in and answer those. Catch y'all next time. All right, yeah, cool. Thanks.